morning I'm going to do some, uh, excuse me, this morning I'm going to dive in and do some teaching more than preaching today. How many know sometimes we just need to know what the Bible says and understand it a little bit on, on specific topics once in a while? Uh, and so today we're going to talk about pushing back the plate or fasting as we are now one week into our fast. Last week we talked about uh, cleansing the temple and really just purging stuff out of our life. And it goes hand in hand with the season that we're in of fasting and prayer is one of the goals that we want to accomplish is to hit the reset button and, and come into this year, this season uh, refreshed and renewed. But I want to dive a little bit deeper into the act of fasting. I know I've taught on uh, fasting before, but maybe this time uh, there'll be some new, some new uh, revelation for you to, to take home with you and to apply to your life today. That, uh, we, that maybe uh, we didn't talk about before. But I want us to start out with Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 16 through 18 this morning. And uh, whenever you're ready, if you would like to stand for the reading of God's Word, you may do so. But we're going to read Matthew chapter 6, verses 16 through 18. This is what the Word of God says today. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, and that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Lord, I ask that you would just add your blessing and anointing to the word today. Help us to hear and receive it with open heart and open mind today, and let it be transformational in our life, that we can grow in our faith and leave here different than we came in. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. You can be seated this morning. The first thing I want us to highlight here is Jesus makes the statement, when you fast. You see, fasting's not really supposed to be an optional thing. It's not necessarily set in stone of a timeline or a, or a season that we must fast. We, we've declared a, a church-wide fast for 21 days, and we are now seven days into that. But, uh, and, and there's plenty of examples throughout Scripture of people calling uh, to, to body-wide fasting and prayer, and, and it's totally biblical and, and fine, but there, there is something about fasting uh, that is also very personal, and it's something that we should do in our personal life. It's something that should be applied to our spiritual life very much so. And, and I can even recall in Scripture where uh, the disciples of Jesus are questioned uh, because they aren't fasting like others are fasting. And, and Jesus says, well, during this season, I'm right here with them. You don't fast when the groom is there. But, but the, the reality of it is, is what Jesus is saying in, the, in all that circumstance and scenario is he's and reinforcing what he says in Matthew 6 of fasting is a personal thing, and you should be doing it, and we see that other people are doing it well in that story. And so it is not something for us to take lightly. It's not something for us to put on the back burner, but it should be a, a, a pinnacle point, a, a priority within our faith and spiritual life. It's probably one of the uh, most popular uh, spiritual disciplines to ignore. 
praying? Sure, ask us to pray, we can pray. Ask us to read the Word, we can read the Word. Ask us to, uh, to, to take up communion, we can take up communion. Maybe the only other one that people struggle with more than fasting is foot washing. And maybe we need to do that sometime. But the reality of it is, is we don't like to fast because it requires us to give something up that we cling so tightly to. You see, fasting serves major purpose in the life of faith, but yet it is something we neglect so often. And so I want us today, we're going to walk through some of these things that uh, the Scripture teaches us about fasting and why it's so important for us. And I hope that, you know, during the remainder of this time, if you missed the memo when we started it, it's not too late to jump right in with us and, uh, and, and partake of this season of fasting and prayer. Uh, but, but as we go through these things, I want you to think about these areas and, and how they apply to your life and, and how they could really benefit you in your faith. The first one being fasting gives extra strength to our prayers. Fasting gives extra strength to our prayers. It, it, uh, it, it's often connected between f- prayer and fasting throughout the Scriptures. There's a line that connects them. And uh, Ezra 8.23 is a verse, as just one example, that says, So we fasted and implored our God for this, and he listened to our entreaty. In other words, we were fasting and praying, and God listened to us because of it. See, it's not that fasting really affects the way God hears our prayers, but what it does is it gives an intensity to the prayer on our end. We come from a place of emptiness. We come from a place of humility in our prayer. We come from a place of where we have rejected ourself and our flesh, and we're coming before God in this state of humility, in this state of desperation, and it shows a commitment to what we are coming to God for. And now the motivation isn't necessarily to get something from God when you fast, but certainly there is something special that happens when you fast and pray and that that it increases the intensity of your prayers. It shows God how important it is to you, that you're willing to make a sacrifice and come before him and ask of him and, and come to, excuse me, and cry out to him and uh and, and it shows that through fasting. It, in, it heightens our intensity and it, and it gives us more clarity in our focus in our prayer time. It, it's such a powerful tool, such a powerful tool to boost our prayer life. There are times in my life, and I would imagine there are times in your life where you had some desperate situations, you had some very serious matters that you needed to hear from God, that you needed to seek His face and to have an answer from Him. And fasting can bring that benefit, can bring that heightened intensity and that that sharpness to your prayer life. You see, going hand in hand with intensifying our prayers and then strengthening our prayers, it helps us when we seek God's guidance. Not that it changes God's mind on things. It's, it's not that 
you can you can fast and pray and and God's totally going to shift everything around for you but but what I have found to be true is that sometimes uh, when we fast and there is medical science to to back this up with physical fasting I find it interesting that a lot of times things that uh, we do in the spiritual are mirrored by things in the physical that can back those things up the the medical science says that when you fast, your senses are heightened. Your sense of awareness is heightened because you have depleted something in your body so much that it raises these other senses. Has anybody ever uh, met somebody who, uh, who might be blind but has incredible hearing? Somebody who might be deaf but has perfect vision? It's, it's something about when you take away something from the body, there's a there's something that goes on in the brain that heightens the awareness. Some people say it's a survival instinct that when you're hungry and your body feels like it's starving, all of a sudden your senses are heightened because now your body's on this mission to find something to satisfy that hunger. But I believe in the spiritual realm, when we, when we fast, we are heightening our spiritual awareness so that when we, when we come before God, we are more in tune with his voice and we can hear him more clearly. And sometimes we really need to be able to hear his voice. So not only does it intensify our cry, but rather it also opens our ears up and our heart up and our spirit up to be able to hear his voice more clearly. Excuse me. I forgot my water this morning. Thank you. And so when we need God's guidance, fasting is a great place to start. The other thing we see in Scripture that fasting is used in is the the act of repentance. You see, fasting itself is not repentance, but fasting alongside of your repentance is is an expression of seriousness and desiring our fleshly desires to turn back to God. Repentance literally means to turn and walk away from and go back. When we sin, we need to repent. And I know we're all super holy in here today and we don't ever sin, but just in case, hypothetically speaking, let's say you, you thought something you shouldn't have thought, you said something you shouldn't have said, you, you, you drank something you shouldn't have drank, and you got involved in something you shouldn't have been involved in. I know that's never happened to any of you this morning. But let's just say hypothetically it did. When you repent and you include fasting and part of your cry for repentance to God, you are showing him that I'm willing to deny my flesh to move forward. I'm willing to work at this. It's, a, it's showing your commitment to a holy life. It's showing your commitment to a holy life. And sometimes we need to purge ourselves of our fleshly desires so that way we can walk against the flesh and stand in the Spirit. In fact, 1 Corinthians 9.27 
tells us, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control lest after preaching to others I myself should be disqualified. The next thing fasting does for us is it strengthens our self-control and discipline over the flesh. The practice of uh, fasting, denying the flesh what it wants, builds your strength to defeat sin. If you can deny your flesh one of its very basic needs and desires when it comes to the things that displease God and are are, uh, completely against God's law and God's will, it becomes a little bit easier to say no to those things. Your flesh is always at war with the Holy Spirit that is inside of you. The Bible tells us in Galatians that the Spirit is waging war against the flesh and vice versa all the time. And that's why the Scripture teaches us to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. We have to, at some point, deny our flesh. And one way we can do that is through fasting. It shows and it brings our body, rather, into discipline. It keeps us under control. If you can have enough self-control that for from sunup to sundown, you say no to all food. If you, can, if you can be even more extreme and go 72 hours with nothing but water, if you can be in that realm and you can conquer that, then I believe God's Spirit comes alive inside of you even more because what you're doing is you're saying no to the flesh that the Spirit of God may live. You are depleting the flesh of its resources and its strength so that God's Holy Spirit can come alive in you even more. And when we do this, we gain strength and discipline and self-control over the flesh. You see, fasting is also an act of humility. It's an expression of humbling yourself before God. And, And fasting really is, because it's a sacrifice, a humbling experience. It's hard to sacrifice something and not feel some humility. Because your pride says, I got to take care of me first. Your pride says, I need to make sure I'm squared away. Your pride says, I'm good enough. I don't need to fast. I don't need to say no to this. I can do what I want to do. Your, your pride will say all of that. Your flesh will say all of that. But when we fast, we, we are telling, telling our body no, and we are bringing our spirit and our pride into humility. And what we're doing is we're saying, God, I empty myself of this strength that comes from flesh or food to make room for you to be the provider of strength. What we're doing is we're disconnecting ourselves from earthly strength, earthly energy, and we're saying, all right, Lord, I'm replacing it with you. Because when you fast, like the scripture said in Matthew 6 that we read at the beginning, he's saying, don't be like the Pharisees who walk around doom and gloom and disfigure themselves to show that they're so weak and that they're sacrificing so much. He's telling us, he says, no, you, you anoint your head, you take a bath, you take a shower, you pull yourself together, you go to work, you do what you got to do, but don't let people know you're fasting. It's a secret, intimate thing between you and God. And so when he says this, 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 this factor here of, of relying on God's strength becomes such a reality because how many know when you're hungry, you get cranky, you lose your energy, you get so tired, you just want to take a nap. 
you're looking for some source, you get headaches, you get all these different things that go on, and you have no choice but to rely on the Spirit of God to give you the strength that you need. And it's truly humbling. And it, it is a symbol of humility of us before God. And I think humility would benefit us all. If we would all humble ourselves before God, if we would all humble ourselves in general, this world would be a much better place. See, I've learned that fasting will reveal how weak you truly are in humility. Because you think you're big and bad, you think you're tough and you're strong-willed until you're starving and you drive by McDonald's and you can smell the french fries. Till you drive by Texas Roadhouse and you can smell the steak. You think you're, you're strong and you've got it under control in your life until you're hungry and you're at work and somebody brought in donuts that morning. You think you're strong and you're able and, and you've got it all together until that temptation comes. And that's humbling. Because if you're really in tune with it, you'll, you'll realize, wow, I thought, I, was a lot, I thought this fasting thing would be easy. I remember the first time I ever participated in a church-wide fast. I was bound and determined that I, it was a week-long fast, and I was determined that I was going to go the whole week on liquids only. I got three and a half days in, and it was really on that next half day through the fourth day that I really felt it. You see, the first day, you're hungry. The second day, you think you're going to die the third day, you're so hungry, you don't even feel hungry anymore. And then by the fourth day, the headaches set in, the, 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 the pain was really aching, there's cramping going on, and, and uh, you know, maybe it was a little extreme on my end to try that, but I, but I tell you all this to, 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 to make the point that you're not as tough as you think you are. You're not as strong as you think you are. And I think we all need that reminder sometimes, and it goes beyond physical things. We need to understand that we're not as smart as we think we are. We're not as wise as we think we are. We don't have it all figured out like we think we do. You see, fasting will reveal those things in you. It will highlight your weakness and bring you to humility really quick. And so we need that in our life. But I think the ultimate thing that comes with fasting and the real goal is it leads us to a deeper intimacy and closeness to God. You see, in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus was fasting 40 days and nights after he was baptized by John the Baptist in the wilderness, and he was out in the wilderness, and Satan tempts him at the end of this fast. I made it three and a half days. I was hungry. Jesus went 40 days. That's a lot. I couldn't even make it four. Jesus made it 40. Satan comes to tempt him and says, why don't you turn these stones into bread if you are the Son of God? And Jesus tells him, man does not live on bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, we have become very intimate with physical bread it's easy. I mean, look at the average American. 
look at me. I, you can tell that I'm not a stranger to a buffet. I am not a stranger to McDonald's. I am not a stranger to the refrigerator. But the reality of it is that some of us have become so intimate with physical bread and getting everything that we need from the food and, and all of our satisfaction from there. There's a reason why when people are sad and depressed, they do emotional eating. There's a reason why people turn to the plate and turn to food for comfort. They, they call it comfort food for a reason. It's cold. It's, it's dark outside. You need something to feel good, so you eat comfort food. There, there's a reason for that. But the reality is, is, is Jesus is making the point here. He's saying, listen, there is more to life than just physical food. There is more to life than just your physical needs being met. He says, he tells him, he says, I don't live on just physical bread, but I live on every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We become very intimate with physical bread, but we lack intimacy with the spiritual bread in God's word. And so what we can do in fasting is that we deny our flesh, we deny the physical bread and say, Lord, I'm going to replace it with spiritual bread. Lord, I want your word. I want your word to satisfy my hunger more than I want Subway or McDonald's to satisfy my hunger. And that's a hard thing to do. Because if Jesus has gone 40 days, I guarantee you, his body felt hungry. But he said, no, I desire the intimacy and the relationship with my heavenly father more then I desire the bread that could come from those stones. But you see, also we find in this story that during this 40 days and nights of Jesus fasting, he was out there not just for fun and for relaxation, but the whole purpose of his 40 days of fasting and prayer was to build intimacy and relationship with God to begin with. He had just been baptized by John the Baptist. The Holy Spirit rested on him like a dove, and then the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness for this 40 days and nights. This whole purpose of this time was for him to pray and seek the Father's will and, and, to, and to lay the groundwork leading into his ministry time. And, and there, there is so much that he got in that 40 days and nights that we don't see in the Scriptures. We see the part of the temptation, but we don't see... The, the work and, and of what God was doing as he was on this earth, as he was making that connection between him and the Father, because the reality of it is, is you can't go out and do what God's called you to do in your life without real intimacy with him. In fact, when you lose intimacy with God is when you fall on your face doing what God called you to do. Because now you've lost that connection to God, and because you've lost that connection to God, now you're doing it in your own strength, in your own will, in your own wisdom, because you don't have that connection anymore. And so Jesus knew that if I'm going to really do everything God's called me to do, I need to make sure that I am really connected. And yes, we know Jesus was the Son of God. We know he was 100% God in man form. But, but he was setting an example for us, if nothing else, to show us on how we should start out our journey in following God. And it is, we cannot do anything without intimacy with God. You don't hear his voice, you don't get his guidance, you don't have his strength, you don't have his wisdom unless you have relationship. 
And so if nothing else during the rest of this fast that we are on, seek to build greater intimacy with God. Because you might be in a season where you don't necessarily feel the need to repent of anything crazy. We should, we should all have repentance as part of our daily life, in my opinion, because I believe that we all mess up on a daily basis. We all say things and think things at a minimum that we shouldn't. We all need humility. We all need, we all need strength in prayers. But if nothing else during this time, you may not be in a season where you feel like you have anything super desperate that you need to fast about to pray. But if nothing else, seek deeper intimacy with God. There are, there are multiple different kinds of fasts that you can find in Scripture. I'm almost done this morning. There is a total fast, which is just all food, all day, just water. That's extreme. That's hard to do for multiple days at a time, as I just mentioned earlier. But that's one option. There is time period fasting, in other words, sun up to sundown, which is a very popular one. There is, there is, I'm going to skip breakfast, I'm going to fast lunch, I'm going to fast dinner. You can pick a meal to fast. There's, there's so many different options in that. There are partial fasts, meaning certain foods you're going to fast. There's, there's different kinds of fasting. I, I personally believe, this is my personal conviction, that that real, real fasting includes some kind of food or some, something of that nature uh, because of the biblical example. But I also believe that you can fast beyond that, and you can also fast things like social media. You can fast television. You can fast music that you listen to. There, there's a lot of things that you can fast, but my, me personally, I don't feel like I'm actually fasting unless there's food that I'm giving up. And I believe that it is biblical that we should. And I understand everybody's got different dietary restrictions and different things that uh, may, might prevent you from it. You might have medication you have to have food with or it really messes you up and tears you up. Uh, there's, there's different. You might have to work in a job where you won't be able to do your job properly and it could be catastrophic if you don't do it properly. And there, there's different circumstances for different people, and I understand that, but I'm just sharing with you my heart on the matter. But I, I think we would all benefit if you can't do food. We, we will find excuses to not fast. Say, well, I can't do food because of this or that, so I can't fast at all. You can still fast your social media. That's just a good idea in general. You can fast TV. That's a hard one. I don't think we realize how much time we spend watching TV. I don't think we realize how much time we spend scrolling on our phones. I don't think we realize these things because they've just become such a natural part of our life. I saw this, uh, this skit. It was, a, it was a video skit of a guy making a point. He said, what if we treated our Bibles like we treated our phones? And he just filmed himself doing the activities that he would normally sit and scroll on his phone, but instead he took his Bible with him. He's eating breakfast, reading his Bible. 
instead of scrolling his phone. He's at He's taking a break at work reading his Bible instead of scrolling his phone. He's going for a walk in the park reading his Bible instead of scrolling his phone. He gets up in the morning, and how many times do we just wake up and the first thing we do is we grab our phone and we just check to see what's going on in the world and who messaged us and all this. He, instead of grabbing his Bible, or instead of grabbing his phone that morning, he grabbed his Bible. And it was like, I'm watching this, and it, it hit me. I'm like, man, I am guilty. I've done the same thing. And, I, and you really want to mess yourself up. I don't know if Android phones do it, but I know an iPhone, you can go in and look at your screen time report and see how much time you've spent looking at your phone. And man, that'll mess you up real quick when you start seeing that you spend a lot more time per day than you realize. I, this was a long time ago that I saw the statistics on it, so I don't know what the new statistic is, but uh, at one point in time, the average amount of time Americans spent on their phone, and this isn't even talking teenagers and younger, <clears throat> this is adults, it was like six hours a day. You know how much scripture you could read in six hours? You know how much praying you could do in six hours? Now, I don't, I don't know that anybody has the attention span to sit for six hours straight and do those things. But what if we just started replacing the 15 minutes here and the 20 minutes here and the 30 minutes here and see what might happen? You see, what I want to... Finish us out with is number one, you realize how much you don't, excuse me, you realize how much you don't need those things in your life when you fast, and how much time you waste on those things when you fast. And you begin to see the fruit come from feeding on God's word rather than the pizza. You see the fruit come from spending time in God's Word instead of on Facebook. You see these things happen, and all of a sudden you realize how fruitless those other things are compared to your relationship with God. And the last thing I want to remind us of, as I mentioned earlier for a moment, that the physical mirrors the spiritual. We, we learn in the physical that when we fast, there are physical changes that take place. And I really believe that the physical things that happen when we fast represent spiritual things that happen as well. Uh, some of the things we can find looking at the medical side of fasting is that when we fast, the body sheds toxic and dead tissues. The body purges itself of toxins while clinging to the vitamins and nutrients. The body begins to burn extra fats. Your mental health increases. Your cognitive ability increases. In other words, your mental understanding of things. And you have a heightening of your senses. Senses. Now, if we look at that same context, that same content and apply it to the spiritual, what we find is that we purge ourselves of the garbage that we have come so to be so attached to, 
our comfort foods, our time wasted on social media, and now our spirit clings even tighter to the Word of God and simply because it's the only thing we are feeding it. Our mental health increases because we are no longer filling our heads with garbage that is going on in the world around us, but rather the peace that is found in His Word. Our cognitive ability increases, allowing us to get a greater quality of Scripture. So in other words, when you get into the Word of God, it comes alive more to you because your cognitive, your understanding, your, your ability to read and comprehend gets heightened and increases. And our senses as to what God is speaking to us increases because our ability to hear th- what's going on around us is boosted. You see, fasting is such a powerful thing, and it's actually grown in popularity in the fitness culture. You know, I've, there's this big shift happening in popular culture now where people are really starting to get in tune with eating clean and, and exercising regularly, and it's really growing in popularity. And that's a great thing because I think uh, especially myself needs that. And I've been working on it. I've, I've been at the gym multiple times this week and last week, and I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. It's a work in progress. But I, I want us to understand today that, that as we see this happening in the physical, I think there's also a call for us to get in shape and to be more healthy in the spiritual. Because the reality of it is, is our spirit and our faith are going to be taking major hits as the world gets crazier and things get harder. And the question is, is are we going to be conditioned to handle it? Are we going to be in good enough shape that we don't get knocked off the firm foundation of Christ? Are we going to be rooted enough in Him And fasting really builds that strength. It builds our spirit. It strengthens God's spirit within us so that we are not relying on the flesh anymore. Will you bow your heads with me today?